glad you came to worship the Lord this morning. It's been a good day. It's been such a good day. Would you take your Bibles with you and uh, go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, you'll notice that our ushers are coming around. You can get there. Just grab their attention. They would love to give you a Bible. And, and if you don't own a Bible, can I just say, would you just take that one with you and, and bring it back next week? We love to study the Bible. We believe that it is God's Word, and so we love to get into it. And uh, while they're passing uh, out the Bibles, you'll notice that there are kind of these cards going around, these decision cards that are coming around. Everybody wants want, want you to get one of those. And uh, we want to give you an opportunity at the end of our service today to kind of respond to the Bible. We just believe that God uses His Word mightily, and so we want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And while you're taking those Bibles and going to John chapter 20, um, I want to tell you, um, there was a, a strange story that started circulating in the news back in February, and, and, and it was about my boy uh, Kyrie Irving up here. Do you guys know who Kyrie Irving is? Uh, he plays, he's the point guard for my Cleveland Cavaliers, love it, and, uh, but, but he kind of made some weird comments. Apparently, he was in, in a podcast saying that he believed that the earth was flat, like Apparently, that's a thing, like a, a flat earth theory. And I think, I think, honestly, I think people were kind of blown away by it. Like, I don't, I don't really know why he got into that. Maybe he got tired of talking about, uh, you know, pick and rolls and all that kind of stuff. He just threw that out there for kicks and giggles. I don't really know why. But I think everybody who heard it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, like back in the day, people thought, like, no, you're, you're serious. He absolutely, he, he thinks this. And so this story started kind of getting out, and everybody didn't really know what to do with it. And then all of a sudden, it, uh, some of the other NBA players started chiming in, like this guy, uh, Draymond Green from that team over there on the West Coast. And uh, he kind of left the door open, like, yeah, that could be a possibility. I could see how that happens. And, and here's the deal. We know what the Earth looks like because we've seen pictures, right? You've, you've seen a picture. that NASA's taking pictures. They've seen these too. You know that the Earth is round. But, but Draymond Green said, well, you know, kind of like people Photoshop a lot these days, so maybe, I don't know, I don't know. And then even uh, this guy got into the picture. You recognize him? Shaq got into it, uh, just throwing his weight around like he normally does, and, and kind of said, you know, like I drive around, it kind of looks flat to me. So this story starts picking up steam, if not credibility. And, and, and sometimes conspiracy theories are weird, right? I remember... Um, I was going around uh, uh, hanging out with my college buddies and we were sitting around the campfire swapping conspiracy theories and we were, we were discussing whether we really landed on the moon. You've had this debate, you know what I'm talking about? Um, or we have a few, just a few theories that are swirling around the White House at the moment, right? Uh, listen, conspiracy theories, sometimes stories are just crazy. Can we have some real talk for just a minute? The resurrection is a crazy story, is it not? And listen, you can't have Christianity without the resurrection. The reason we're celebrating Easter is because we believe that after Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again. He is risen, and that is a crazy claim. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Now, here's the deal. Jesus kind of made this a, a bigger problem because uh, he, he raised the stakes before he died, he actually said, I'm going to die, and then three days later, I'm going to come back 
to life. He said it multiple times. So if you're going to call your shot like that, then you better deliver. So if he didn't really do it, then we only have a couple of options. One, he straight up lied. And we don't usually consider liars to be really good teachers. Generally, deception's kind of frowned upon with moral leaders. Or maybe, maybe he was just psychologically uh, like off. One of those weirdo cult leaders that gets all sorts of people to believe in all this crazy nonsense. You know, like very sincere, we'll give you that, but a little psycho. Or he actually did it. And if Jesus rose from the grave, and if he is alive, then that changes everything. One of my favorite apologists, C.S. Lewis, said it this way, either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he's a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Now see, John wants you to believe that Jesus is alive and that he is the Son of God. In fact, if you're there in your Bibles, uh, John chapter 20, just look at the, the very last verse there, uh, verse 31. The last verse in that chapter, verse 31, uh, John says, but these are written so that, purpose clause, here's why, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John wants you to believe. He wants you to understand that these things are real. And so he's actually given us three major evidences to the resurrection in the last few chapters. You got to deal with these things. John chapter 19, he made it pretty clear. Jesus died. He died on the cross. There were a whole bunch of people who saw it. There's some scientific evidence to prove that he's dead. And then at the beginning of John chapter 20 in verses 1 through 10 here, uh, there's, there, there's a problem for other people that want to disprove this. The tomb is empty. And there were people who saw it. What are you going to do about that? And then the text that we're looking at this morning, verses 11 through the end of the chapter here, Jesus appeared to people afterwards. And can I just say, dead people don't usually do that. So here's our big idea this morning if you're taking notes. Believing in the risen Savior is both reasonable and rewarding. John's given us all these eyewitnesses, and we're going to look at these. These are the people that saw him while he was alive. And so that's, do you know that that's really great evidence? And it means that our faith is reasonable. But even more than that, even more than that, I want you to know that our faith in Jesus is rewarded. So if you have your Bibles, let's go. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 11. You follow along with me as I read. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Well, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. 
And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that, she had, that he had said these things to her. And so here's the deal. I, I just wanted to show you, this is the first one. Uh, there are three rewards that Jesus gives. Note this, Jesus gives joy to believers. You see that? Jesus gives joy to believers. Who, who is this Mary character? Let, let, let's talk about her for just a minute. Uh, th- there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament, so maybe it's kind of confusing, like which, which one is this? Well, this is Mary Magdalene that from the city of Magdala, which was a city on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus spent a lot of his ministry. And, and the first time that she's mentioned in Scripture is actually Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 2, Luke says, Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. Now that's kind of weird. Uh, What's going on there? Well, the Bible doesn't really give us explicit details on her past. There are some people that think that maybe she was like a prostitute. The Bible doesn't explicitly say that. But we can only imagine what kind of an I was but God story she has if you had seven demons demons living inside of your body at one time. That's kind of creepy, isn't it? Can can, can you just notice for for just a minute, this woman has a really checkered past. And and outside of this story, it doesn't really seem like uh, she has much more of a, a, a foundational role in the church as it's getting started. And so it's kind of incredible that this woman would be the first person that God would choose to be an eyewitness to the resurrection. And can I just say, um, like if this was, just, let's just say this was a conspiracy theory. Let's say the disciples were just trying to make this up, right? That, that he didn't really raise from the dead. They're just trying to get people to believe that. If this really was a conspiracy theory, then you probably wouldn't have picked a woman in that culture to be the first eyewitness. You wouldn't have done that. But I love it because that actually lends some credibility to the story, doesn't it? And it's kind of God's way of saying, this message is for everybody. And I love that because Christianity actually elevates women in a world that devalues them. Pretty cool, huh? So here is this woman. Here's Mary, this former demon-possessed, now-turned-follower of Jesus, who uh, she actually already came to the tomb. If you look at it, verse 1 of this chapter, she showed up at the tomb early that morning, saw that it was empty. She thought... Like somebody must have stolen the body. So she went and told his disciples. But, but here she is, verse 11. She's standing outside of the tomb and she is, what does it say? She's weeping. Now, this word is not like, she, she's like sniffling a little bit, you know, like trying to, like, no, no, no. This, this word means like loud, uh, wailing. It means grief. It means mourning. It, it, it's what we would call ugly crying. Anybody ever had an ugly cry? You know what I'm talking about? Where you're just like, you just lose it. Snot's going everywhere. It's just gross. It's just ugly. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, you're not ugly. Go ahead. Just, we, we don't want to discourage anyone. Maybe you've had that experience, but you're not. Love you. So why? Why is she crying? Why is she weeping like this? Well, because she loves Jesus. And her heart is being ripped apart because she's, she thinks she's lost him. Now, I, I think that if, um, 
I think if you had like seven demons living inside of you at some point, then you kind of know what it feels like to hit rock bottom in life. Don't you think that that would have been pretty painful? And the crazy thing is, Jesus freed her from that. He set her free. And for a little while, everything was awesome. So now, how hopeless to think that she could actually feel worse than she's ever felt before. Her joy has just been ripped away from her. You ever been there? You know what it feels like to just lose it? And just like weep and you don't care who sees you. And, and, and you get to the point where your head hurts and, and you almost feel numb. And there's almost this point where, where, where you're, you're experiencing that much sorrow, that much grief, that, that you almost have like an out-of-body experience. Like, is this really happening? It just hurts so bad. Some of you may, maybe you've gone through tragedy. You've gotten phone calls that just broke you down. Maybe some of you were planning on going to a graveside this weekend for one of your loved ones. We're talking, we're talking deep hurts. The kind of grief that you still feel like those scars are just fresh wounds. We have all experienced sorrow. And the question is, how? How can we have joy when there is so much pain in the world? It just seems like inescapable, doesn't it? Some of you know that pain all too well. And you've been trying whatever you can to mask it, not feel it, whether that, that's trying to suppress it with pills, drinking, or some sort of substitute, or maybe you try to just have fun and keep the smile going and keep the party going or, 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 or just keep the schedule really filled or, or just stay really busy or work really hard, just put my nose to the grindstone and, and, and don't think about it. Or, or maybe you're running from one broken relationship to another, just going back and forth, seeking attention, seeking assurance, seeking something that is going to make me feel better. And maybe some of you have had a moment all alone where you've even gotten to a point where you thought about or even tried to just end it all. Where? Where can we find joy? Well, John told us that Mary was actually at the cross in chapter 19. And so she's been crying since Friday. She's crying all day Saturday. She's crying Sunday. So I can imagine she's just got this splitting headache and, and, and she's kind of disoriented. And she's just overcome with grief and sorrow. And that might be why when, when she stooped to look into the tomb, she saw these two angels didn't seem to really faze her. Can we just say that like in the Bible, when people saw angels, they're usually freaking out. But that's not what happens, is it? They, they say to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she says, they have taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. Now, time out, time out. We are celebrating today because the tomb is empty. Now, that should have been really good news for her, right? She should have been fired up and excited about that. But, but she wasn't looking for it. She didn't believe that Jesus was really going to raise from the dead, and so... She wasn't expecting a resurrection. I don't know what happened. Maybe she heard um, 
some, like a, a twig, some leaves rustle behind her, or maybe, maybe the angels, like she saw a look of awe on their face, but she realized somebody's behind her, and she turns, and, and it says that she saw Jesus, but she did not know that it was Jesus. So here's the one that she's been missing, the one that she's been weeping for, and she doesn't even recognize him. And I think Jesus actually doesn't want her to recognize him right away so that he can impress this moment deeper into her soul. She thinks that he's just the gardener and that she's just looking for a body. But look at what he says to her. He says, woman, woman, why? Why are you weeping? Whom? Whom are you seeking? The reason he asks that is because Jesus knows that her joy is not going to be found in something, but in someone, right? So he says to her, Mary. That's it. That's all he says. But in that moment, she knew. There's so much emotion conveyed in that one word. Why? Well, because in, I, in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus said, the good shepherd, he is the good shepherd, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. See, Jesus knows her name. She belongs to him. And so as he calls her name, she can hear him. And in that moment, he sweeps her sorrow away. And there it is. Jesus gives joy. Jesus gives joy. Just imagine the, the moment of explosive excitement when she recognized his voice. We're not really sure what happened. Maybe, maybe she fell uh, at his feet and she just wraps her arms around him. Apparently she's clinging to him as if to say, I, I thought I lost you and I never want you to leave again. And Jesus says, do, do, not, do not cling to me. And he's not being rude there. Well, he's just saying, not yet. The time's not yet. But, but he actually had told them earlier that it's to your advantage that I go, that I ascend and go back to my Father. Because if I go, then I get to send the Holy Spirit to you. It's going to be a great thing. And now I want you, he tells her, go tell the disciples. I want you to go let them know. So verse 18, he, here she goes. She's on mission. And she says, I have seen the Lord. Now that's a much different message than what she had told them earlier when she thought somebody had stolen the body. And I love this because the resurrected Christ turns mourners into missionaries. Listen, Jesus, because he is risen, we have incredible joy. Do you feel the relief? It's like Advil for a headache. I just want you to know this. You have, some of you are experiencing incredible pain. Some of you are going through this sorrow. You know this grief. I want you to know that all the pain, all the hurt that you experience on this earth, it is not God's fault. It is because of sin. It is because of death. He did not make the world like this. But the curse of sin has crushed our joy. But God, on that glorious day, he conquered sin and death when he rose from the grave so that we could have joy forever that will never be taken away from us. You know what God has done for us. He knows your pain. He will carry your pain. And he lifts your eyes to the sunrise so that you will see what is coming. So that you will know that what you are going through right now is just, it's just light. It's, it's just momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison where we are going to live with him forever. And in Revelation chapter 21, he says this, listen, listen. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Do you know there's no more tissues in heaven? You don't need them. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. It's been swept away by the joy of being in the presence of our risen Savior. Do you look forward to that day? Can you hear him? If you belong to him, you will. And you'll hear him gently whispering your name in your ear, reassuring you, wiping away those tears. He's making all the sad things come untrue. I know some of you are feeling like, if I could, is it possible that I could feel that? Only Jesus gives joy. Jesus gives joy. Do you believe? So he gives joy, but he also gives peace to believers. Jesus gives peace to believers. Watch this, verse 19. Let's keep reading. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, love that, said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So Jesus is going to give these guys peace. Why? Well, well look at verse 19. The doors are locked where the disciples are for fear of the Jews. Now, whenever I read this, my mind like instantly jumps to the book of Acts at the beginning of the book of Acts. It's kind of like a before and after picture. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, like my, my wife and I, we, we like to watch Fixer Upper. Anybody seen Fixer Upper? You know what I'm talking about. Chip and Joanna Gaines. They do all these like crazy renovations. It's pretty cool. I've actually learned some things. I've learned that if you want to renovate a house, all you really need to do is find a wall, knock it down, Open up that space a little bit. Put some shiplap on it. That's what that, and it's, it's great. Everything's going to renovate. It's pretty awesome what they do. But at, inevitably, at some point in the show, they take pics or they take videos of the before so that you can have a deeper appreciation of the after. So in the book of Acts, that's the after. After these guys receive the Holy Spirit, man, they're on fire. And they're not afraid of anything. And there's, there's uh, torment, there's persecution, there's the threats, the Jews want to kill them. They're like, not afraid at all. Unafraid witness. They're so bold, but not here. Nah, man, here, they are freaking out, right? This is the before picture. It's not very pretty. They've got the, the doors are locked. They're, they've barricaded themselves in. They're not going anywhere. Why? Why? Because they're afraid. Fear does that to you, doesn't it? Fear is kind of like a, a vice grip. Promise not to hurt anyone. It's like these thoughts, these fears that I have, they, they just like clamp down on me. And I, I can't stop thinking about it. And, I, and, and it just feels like I'm, I'm paralyzed and I'm stuck and I can't get out. And all the, the what ifs and the what mights, they start going in my mind and it's like a weight. And, and it feels like it's just squeezing me and, and I can't escape this. I'm suffocating. And you, you know this feeling? Maybe, maybe you're afraid. You're afraid of what the doctor's going to say. 
And you haven't even been there yet, but you've already started like, you, you've self-diagnosed and, and, and now you're just like bracing yourself for the worst possible news, right? And, and you're, you start going through your head like, I'm not ready to die and what's going to happen to my family? And, we start, and we, all these thoughts start going. Or you're laying awake at night, tossing and turning and wondering like, how is my boss going to respond? Or what is my lover really up to? Or how is that stack of bills that's just climbing ever higher? How, how in the world is that going to get paid? Or, or, or like, like, what, what are those people, what are they really saying behind your back? And, and here's the deal. People come along and they, they, they make it sound so easy, right? Like, just, well, just stop thinking about it. Like, take a deep breath. Do some yoga. Count some sheep. You're like, yeah, thanks for that. Not helping. Can't you see I'm caught? You've been living like this? Anxious, worrying, fearing what might come. What if? There's no way to live, is it? So how can we have peace in the midst of these fears? Well, here are the disciples hiding. They are scared. They are shaking to the core. They're like freaking out when, when, whenever the door handle jiggles because they think that some, somebody, the Jews are coming, they're going to kill them next. And I love this. And, and then suddenly, verse 19, Jesus just comes and stands among them and said to them, peace. Now you just got to imagine, uh, they, 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 like they've got the doors locked. This doesn't normally happen. And, and, and in the middle of that, someone just all of a sudden appears in the middle. It doesn't matter what they're going to say. You're going to start losing it too. But Jesus says to them, peace, which is kind of ironic, peace be with you, which may have been a kind of a typical greeting, but I think Jesus meant it most literally. He's like, hey guys, hey, come on, come on. I, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you guys to have peace. Now remember, they're looking, they, they remember what the Jews just did to Jesus, and they're thinking like, I don't want to die like that. I, I don't want to go through that. But do you remember what Jesus said to them earlier? Matthew chapter 10 Verse 28, Jesus said this, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's like, listen, why are you worried about these guys? The worst thing that they can do to you is take your life. You know what you need to fear? You need to fear the God that can destroy you in hell. You're like, that's not making me feel better either. Well, can we uh, put your fears into perspective for just a minute? All the things that we worry about, all the things that we fear are nothing in comparison to our standing before a holy God and where we're going to spend eternity. Can I just urge you, make sure you get that one settled. He is the God that is to be feared. He is a holy God. And you don't mess with a holy God. So how, how, how can we have peace? Well, look at what he does, verse 20. He showed them his hands and his side. He's like, look, look, look here. Can you guys, do you see? This is where they drove the nails in. Do you see that? Look, 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 look do you see? This is, where they, this is where they stuck the spear in. Now, why is that supposed to comfort them? Well, this is Isaiah 53, isn't it? Isaiah had predicted that the Messiah was going to die. And he said he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him 
was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Can you see his hands? Do you know that he did that for you? We've been learning in our study in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, that Jesus himself is our peace, and he has reconciled us to God. You can have peace, but listen, it's not because, it's not because you're suddenly going to get some awesome check in the mail that you weren't expecting. It's not because you're going to get that raise, or, or you're going to get to retire early, or, or the, your, the doctor is going to tell you that it's not cancer, or, or all the what-ifs and the what-mights don't come true. Do you know why you can have peace? Look at his hands. Look at what he's done for you. There's the evidence. He took your place on the cross. You deserved it. You deserved God's wrath. You deserved his judgment. But instead of an enemy of God now, we have peace with God. And because he is alive, we're going to live with him forever. Jesus gives peace to believers. Do you believe? It says he gives peace, that the peace of God that surpasses understanding. It's going to guard your heart and mind from in, in Christ Jesus. Listen, uh, it's going to be crazy when, when you start to realize and put everything into perspective and people are watching you go through some crazy stuff and they're like, how in the world are you holding it all together? It's because I have peace that surpasses understanding. It doesn't make any sense. But I have the peace of Christ. Look at what he's done for me. Look at what he's accomplished. So if your eternal security has been settled why are you freaking out about the things that are going on in your life? Can I just tell you, your worst possible nightmares have vanished. It's not going to happen because you have peace with God. So then Jesus sends them out on mission, verses 21 to 23. He sends them out and giving them kind of a purpose, but not before he comforts them with his presence. Just know that. Easter is where we celebrate because we can be with God. Jesus gives joy, Jesus gives peace, and then this, Jesus gives life to believers. Jesus gives life to believers. I just want you to re remember that verse that we read at the very beginning, at the very end of the chapter. John wants us to believe so that we can have life with him, okay? But, but watch what happens, verse 24. Now, uh, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So, the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, in his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, uh, here's the deal. Normally, I just want you to notice this. Um, he has all the same evidence that you and I have. Do you know that? In fact, he's probably got more. He knows that Jesus died on the cross. He knows he's dead. And then his brothers, these disciples, they've told him the tomb was empty. We were there, man. It was, it was empty. Nobody there. And now he's got firsthand uh, uh, evidence from these guys, these eyewitnesses. We've seen him. We saw him alive. And so normally, Thomas has this famous nickname. Do you know what it is? What, what do we normally call him? Yeah, Do Doubting Thomas. Uh, doubting sounds kind of legit, right? Like, I, I get it, man. Maybe some of you are feeling like that. Man, I don't, maybe this didn't all happen the way it did. Like, I don't know. I still got, it's okay to have questions, right? Can I just tell you, you are being confronted with the evidence this morning. And the stakes are high. Your eternity is in the balance. And can I just say that, 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 it's, it's, that this uh, doubting Thomas is not really a great name for him, okay? 
it's more like disbelieving Thomas. This was a choice. This was an act of the will. He's like, man, I ain't believing. I right, see it for myself. And then Jesus is going to show up and smack him around, right? No. I love, I love what he does. He's so patient. Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Kind of deja vu there. Then he said to Thomas, hey man, come here. Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Is that you? Is Jesus talking about you right there? Yeah, you didn't get to see it. Do you believe? We've got some incredible evidence that tells us it's reasonable to think that he really did this. He came back from the grave, and we know that he is our only hope. And so there's kind of a difference between, let me just talk about this. There, there's a difference between believing versus actually believing, right? Like, you've heard this before. It's kind of the difference between uh, saying that you think that that chair can hold you up. Like, yeah, I think it's got, it's got that. I can, I can do that. Versus actually sitting in the chair and trusting that it's going to hold you up. Now, I realize, like, we're in church, right? You're, you're, you're here. So, if, yeah, if I ask you, do you believe? You're like, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, right? But do you really believe in Jesus? Are you putting your faith and your trust in him? Warning, warning. I hear this all the time. Uh, people will, I'll, I'll be asking them, I'll be talking about it, and they'll say, well, um, I've always believed. I've always been a Christian. Like, I can't remember a time when I, I really didn't. Can I just say, like, if that's you, if that's what you're saying, I, I just want to plead with you and, and urge you to reconsider because I, I don't know that you're really understanding the gospel clearly. Because if you've always believed, then Jesus didn't really have to die for you, did he? But none of us are innocent. None of us deserve it. You're not automatically a believer just because you grew up going to church or, or you've always considered yourself a Christian or you think you're kind of a, you know, you're kind of a really good person. But has there ever been a time where you've been arrested by the reality that you are a sinner deserving of God's judgment when you knew that if Jesus didn't save you, you are not going to have eternal life? You know that? Where you realized in that moment you were lost but that he died on the cross for your sins. And in that moment, you trusted him to save you, asked him to forgive you. Has there been a time that you've done that? Can I, like, what, what's keeping you from doing that today? I'm telling you, your faith will be rewarded because Jesus gives life, but only to believers. And I'm not even sure, verse 28, I'm not really even sure if, if, if Thomas made it all the way. He's supposed to come and like he gets to, at sensory here, he gets to touch where Jesus was uh, pierced. But I don't even think he made it there. It's like he falls and he's, his heart submits in worship and he just says, my Lord and my God. Now some of you, Man, you say, like, I did that. I, I, I trusted in Jesus a long time ago. I, I remember praying. I remember that day when I realized that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus to save me and, and I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I, I did that a long time ago. But you've not been living for him. 
and you, it was kind of like you got your get out of hell free card back in the day, but now you're doing your thing. Like, I'm, I'm going to do life my way. No, 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 man. He's the king. He is Lord. He is God. Is he the king of your life? Are you bowing your life in submission? Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us that he, Jesus, has been given a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And do you know that he stands now because he is risen. He stands now forever with his arms open wide. Can you, can you see the scars? Can you see him? He did this for you. Your sins are paid for. Death has been defeated. Your sorrows have been swept away. Your fears have vanished. In Christ, you can have joy. You can have peace. And you can have eternal life. All because Jesus is alive. Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for what a good morning it has been. Thank you for this word. Thank you that you have given us what we need so that we can have eternal life with you, so that we can have peace, we can have that joy. And I'm praying even now that you are working in the hearts and in the minds, the lives of the people that are listening to this. Your word does not return void, so we're praying that you would work. God, work in our hearts. Maybe there are some of you here who would even say that, you know what, as, as you're saying this, I don't know that there really has been a time where I ever put my faith in Jesus. Nobody's, nobody's looking around. Everybody's eyes are closed. If you would say, you know what, I want, to, I want that. I want to have life. I want to know that I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. Then would you just pray? You can do it right now right there where you're at, quietly you just say this, God, I know I am a sinner. I deserve your judgment. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. Save me. I want to live with you forever. You prayed that prayer. rejoice and the angels are rejoicing in heaven because if you believe believe with your heart confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord you will be saved okay, some of you though maybe you did that a long time ago maybe it was months maybe it was years ago you remember praying that you remember asking Jesus to save you from your sins but you would say that you've not been living as though he really is your Lord he really is your God he hasn't been the king. Today, would you recommit your life to Jesus right now? Just confess that. Say, God, please forgive me. I don't want to be king. You are the king. You are the Lord. And I want to submit to you. God, I want to take this seriously and I want to follow you. Father, I'm praying that you are working in the lives of your people, whispering in our, name, in our names, in our ears, that we would hear you. 
that we would know that you love us. God, I'm praying that some would believe even now for the first time. I'm praying that those of us who are reminded of these things, that as you're working, as you're pressing in our hearts, we would want to follow you. You are great and glorious, and we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you, everybody get out your cards. And if you just prayed that prayer, if you say, man, I, I, I realize that's me. I, I, I asked Jesus to save me just now. Or, I really want that. I want to be saved. Would you just go ahead and fill out your information right there? We just want your name, contact information. And would you circle the cross right there? Just let us know. I did that. I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. Or I want to do that. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you and be an encouragement to you. Those of you who said, man, I did that a long time ago, but today I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. I want him to be the king of my life. If you're recommitting your life to Jesus because he's been moving in your heart, then would you just circle that crown? Just let us know. We want to encourage you in your walk with Christ. God is working. I believe that he's using his word powerfully. And you can take those cards, fill them out, and there are baskets right here on the table. On your way out, would you just buy them? Slip that in there and let us know. Well, we're going to stand and we're going to sing together. Let's stand and we're going to worship. And as you do, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. If you prayed and asked Jesus to save you from your sins today, I'm going to ask, would you come down and let us pray with you? Scott's going to be here. Matt's right down here. I'll be here. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you.